Hello there. I'm back with the second edition of the special Cross-Country Ski World Cup race report. It's still Hear Her Sports, and I'm still Elizabeth Emery, but today we are doing something slightly different. The race reports are short and post between main episodes. The term race reports is somewhat of a misnomer because while we do talk about the racing, we also take a look at the backstory of the racing and lessons learned. Be sure to listen to the first episode with Julia Kern on Ruka World Cup. And with me today is the stellar Rosie Brennan to look back at the Yalavari World Cup in Sweden. It was another cold one, and again, the U.S. did great. In the 10K freestyle, Rosie tied for six, Jesse Diggins won, and three U.S. women finished in the top 15. And in the four by seven and a half kilometer team relay, the U.S. finished third. Rosie goes over what it's like to race in a team relay and some tactics specific to this last weekend. The Yalavari World Cup took place on December 2nd and 3rd. Rosie talks about the course, which is very different from the previous week in Ruka. We also talk about bountiful podium gift bags, balancing wanting to increase fitness with also wanting some pop on race day, Rosie's youthful ski age, and gratitude, which is a lovely way to head into the new year. Rosie also offers one of the best discussions I've heard of what life on the road is like. If you don't already know Rosie Brennan, you are in for a real treat. She started strong right off the bat at the first World Cup of the season in Ruka, Finland, where she was on the podium twice. In the 10K Classic race, she finished second, which was her first individual classic podium of her career. And then the very next day, she finished third in the 20K skate. But Rosie has a strong history. She's a four-time U.S. champion, 2018 and 2022 Olympian, and has been on the national team for 10 years. She also lives in Alaska, which means she is very tough. Here's Rosie. Well, hello, Rosie. It is so great to have you here. You know, like, I'm just so excited to be doing these race reports and you're doing so well. Everyone is doing so well. And it's super fun to see all the Americans right up there in the mix, you know, duking it out with everybody else. It's great. Yeah, it, it has been really great. We've had a strong start to the season. And yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, I've listened to some of your uh, podcasts previously. So uh, it's great to get my chance to be a guest as well. Oh, well, wonderful. So today we're going to be talking about Yalavare. Is that how we, you pronounce it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well enough. Anyway, yeah. it's in it's in Sweden and the relay looked great. You were on the podium. So I have to satisfy my curiosity a little bit. Like, what was all that swag that you guys got? <laughs> um, yeah, good question. We got, um, well, we got a block of cheese. So that's always kind of the exciting part. Um, How big was that? <laughs> the blocks of cheese are, gosh, they're close to three kilograms of cheese. It's oh a lot gosh. of cheese. <laughs> so our team is definitely rolling in the cheese right now. <laughs> that's um, so that's great. Uh yeah, and then there was some uh, chocolate and some uh, a charging cable, which is very random, but also incredibly useful. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, some like, I don't know how you say it, like glug. I think it's kind of like the Scandinavian version of like uh, Glühwein or, or something like that. I've um, never heard of that. It's like kind of a spiced wine that you heat oh, up. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I haven't dug into it yet. Um, okay. And yeah, what else? I think that's about it. Oh, and some tea. Yeah. Oh, that's not, that's a nice little package. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. Cool. Well, other than all of that stuff, how did the race go for you? 
Uh, it was good. Uh, yeah, I, well, relays are just, they tend to be fun races, I think. And, uh, Saturday was like, yeah, it was a fine enough race for me, but I definitely didn't feel that I skied to my best ability. And so I, I was thankful to get like a, a second chance. Um, and my classic skiing has been feeling really good. So I was excited to be on the classic leg and Jesse skied such a strong first leg. Uh, and so I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really ski the way I had intended to, but she tagged me off in a position that I thought, well, you know, maybe if I can break them now, maybe there's a chance that I can like keep a gap. So I just, uh, decided to go with it and uh, go with the feelings that I, and the excitement that I had when I got tagged off and I skied a very, uh, hard first lap and definitely was suffering my second lap, but <laughs> did my best to kind of just, uh, keep moving and to keep the gap as big as I could, knowing that we would need that against some of the other teams in the, in the later legs. And so, uh, yeah, it was a unique and fun experience. I haven't had that experience in a relay before, and we tried it kind of a new order than we normally do. And so, uh, yeah, it was really nice to like just try something new and, and get a new experience and kind of expand, you know, our, our options in the relay. Talk a little bit more about that order and, you know, like the tactics of that and what went into the decision. I'm so curious about how you guys came to that. Yeah, it's always tricky because... I mean, it, it would be nice if we could just be like, oh, here's our order. We're going to do this every time. But the thing is, like having four people skiing at their best on the same day is remarkably challenging, especially when we only have, I think we had seven women over here to choose from. So it's not like, you know, we can just call up somebody from the U.S. and fly them in because they're skiing fast. You know, that's not really an option. So that's like what makes the relay special, I think, is to get four people that are skiing fast at the same time is is kind of that challenge. And so we always have to look at kind of like where everyone is at uh, right then and do our best to kind of make up the order based on the strengths of the different people that are skiing well at that moment. And then balance that out with what, you know, we guess we or we think the other teams might do. And so traditionally, leg two has always kind of been a, a leg where people put their more distance oriented athletes to kind of like blow things up a bit. Um, and so that one's like always kind of been a, a leg that's challenging and one you want to be ready for. Uh, and so the hard part then is uh, having a first leg that uh, can hang with the group, because if you get tagged off to the best in the world with a deficit, it's hard to make that up. But if you get tagged off with them, then, you know, there's a there's always a good chance you can stay with them. And so that's kind of been always one of our, our challenges in picking an order and especially with Jesse being such a strong anchor always, it's hard to like pass that up because she's so good in that role. But um, because it was a World Cup and not a championship, we decided to like test this out and see if Jesse couldn't, um, you know, break things up a little bit in the first leg and give me a chance to to build that gap. And if and if we could get a big enough gap that could hold on for the next two legs. And so, yeah, that was kind of our thought that we would just try something new and see where it's at. And yeah, I mean, I think it worked pretty well. <laughs> um, it's, you know, like I said, it's always hard to get four people having their best day on the same day. But I think, yeah, we put together a, a strong team and, and we all had uh, very strong efforts against uh, our respective competitions in each of our legs. And so it worked out pretty well. Yeah, you guys look great. And so you had mentioned that it's two laps. Explain to me about the distance, because I have a, a vague 
feeling that it, it's recently been upped or and the men's distance has been reduced a little bit to make them equal? Am I like making that up? Nope, that's exactly right. Um, so okay. it used to be the four by five K for the women and four by 10 K for the men. We've moved to this equal distance. And so it was kind of this uh, debate on what the distance would be. And um, the consensus was just to go right down the middle. So it's now four by seven and a half K for both men and women. Uh, and those distances were adopted for uh, world championships in the Olympics as well. So those will be the distances, at least for the near future, um, that we'll be we'll be doing. And so usually, I mean, just to make it, I mean, you obviously could do one by seven and a half K loop, but uh, generally because of TV and like wanting to have a lot of cameras on the course and stuff, it'll usually be a two lap course. So we did two by 3.75 kilometers. And and this is the first race that it's been that distance? Uh, gosh, that's a good question. I'm trying to think if we did that last year or not. Oh, okay. Um, we didn't do it at the championship last year because the championships like get approved so far in advance that by the time the equal distancing went through, the championship uh, was okay. already set up. But I can't remember if we did it in World Cup or not. Right. What do you what do you think about the distance or what has been the general consensus about that? Um, I mean, this was the first time. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely long. Like in terms of racing, um, it was fine. I don't, I don't know that I felt that much of a difference, honestly. But when I'm waiting for my teammates to go, it felt long. <laughs> so, um, so uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe spectators think it's too long. I'm not sure. I, I do think the women's one in particular was like we had quite a lot. Well, the men's actually was very exciting, too. There were a lot of lead changes. So I don't know if that was the distance or the course or, you know, what led to that. But that always makes for a more interesting event in general is if it's if it's a little tighter and there's some lead changes throughout the race. And what do you do when the other skiers are racing? I mean, obviously you're prepping when the first leg is going off yeah. if you're the second. But once you're done, are you out on the course cheering everybody? Yeah, yeah. Usually I, you know, whatever, try to get some warm clothes and drink, drink food, that sort of thing quickly. And then, yeah, kind of for my cool down, I'll like jog. I mean, it depends a little bit on the venue and the course. But yeah, try to jog out on course a bit and, and cheer for the for the other legs um, that's kind of like the fun part of the relay is like we really are all in it together so any extra energy I can give to uh, the other legs it, you know it all will help me in the end as well so that's definitely sure. like the fun part of it and since you mentioned the course can you compare this course to last week's course and maybe also the temperature because it's been really cold <laughs> yeah yeah um the course this weekend was probably uh about as opposite as the first weekend as you could get in uh, Yalavari, it's much more gradual terrain and a lot of uh, twists and turns. So it was kind of always, always something new, like, you know, a little up, a little down, a little right, left, up, down, like just kind of constantly like meandering through, through the woods there, um, as opposed to Ruka's like very uh, steep climbs. But, uh, the, you know, there was only like two per lap. They were just very steep. So it was, it was very different style. Uh yeah, that's always fun, too, because it's like kind of can suit different skier strengths. Uh, so that's something, you know, we're always looking at also when picking the relay team is like, you know, who skis really well in, in the particular terrain of the venue that we're at and how can we best use those skills? So how like if you're looking at these last two races, you know, what have you gotten from it? Where where do you want to go next? You know, like now that you've had a couple of days perspective on this last race like what are your what are your thoughts I mean no, I don't think too much has changed within the last uh, two weeks I I was um 
I don't know if like maybe a little bit surprised, I guess I could say about um, how well I raced in, in Ruka and I knew I was in good shape, but you never know, like, you know, what does that mean? Cause you don't know what kind of shape everyone else is in. And so that was really cool to see that, that my training had gone well and, and my fitness was in a really good place and, and I was in a good place and, and enjoying racing. And so now it's just kind of this game of like trying to carry it on as, as long as you can, <laughs> or at least until, you know, we get a, a break for Christmas and you can have like that kind of little reset. But, you know, for this period one, we're racing, I'm doing all the races. So it's like two or three races every weekend for four weeks. So there's not a whole lot of time to like, you know, change much between the races, especially because, you know, one day spent traveling and then, you know, yeah, we have a few days to ski and so you can do little, little things. Um, But it's mostly just about, yeah, trying to maintain that, you know, keep just enough training that you're not like losing fitness for the later half of the season, but not training so much that then you can't you know, use the fitness you have now over the weekend and in the races. So it is a little bit of a tricky balance, but, uh, you know, and then part of it is also just keeping your head in a good place, like continuing to find ways to enjoy what you're doing and, um, enjoy kind of settle into like life on the road because, uh, it's a, it's a long haul for us and, you know, kind of getting settled in, in, in that sense as well. Do you enjoy the life on the road? Or have you, yeah, how do you manage it, I guess? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. And I, sometimes I enjoy it and sometimes it's really hard. Uh, I definitely, especially as a as I get older and the team gets younger, <laughs> I love all my teammates. They're, they're wonderful people to hang out with, but we are definitely just like uh, in different, li- different life phases, I guess. Uh, and so I, I certainly miss my uh, close friends at home and the community that I have at home. I, I find that very challenging on the road. But it's also really cool what I get to do. And I love exploring new places, especially on my skis. I think that's just like a really fun way to see the world. And I really enjoy training and racing still. So I try to just, uh, you know, keep that in mind of like why I'm doing this. Like, you know, it's it's the skiing part that that's really fun for me and that I enjoy so much. And so trying to kind of, uh, you know, dig into those aspects a little bit and really enjoy those parts. But yeah, there's always moments that it's tough and you get homesick and uh, you're tired of being around um, all the same people all the time and missing <laughs> right. missing your people at home and, and all that kind of thing. I think, honestly, I think the thing I struggle with the most is not necessarily the people or like being around the same people, like they're all wonderful people, but it's just uh, you lose a little bit of your like independence and autonomy because you're oh, operating totally. as a team unit. And, you know, I can't just like hop in my car and go somewhere when I want to. And <laughs> right. um, I, I really struggle with that. I, I'm kind of a very, well, I am a very independent person and uh, I, I really thrive off having that kind of a uh, daily autonomy. So I try to find, you know, ways to bring that in. And, you know, if we are staying in a place that I can ski from, from the hotel, that's like the dream Then I can kind of operate on my own schedule a little bit or, sometimes take just taking a a little break from from the team and uh when we have a weekend off doing something different for a bit or or things like that well i'm glad you mentioned your age because i remember when i first started watching you on tv and commentators were always talking about how old you were which at that (laughs) point was like 30 i think and it was always sort of this like oh my god how is she still around and (laughs) I, you know, I'm not hearing that anymore. It seems like maybe there's a greater acceptance of a range of skiers and, you know, age, body type, all that stuff. I, I mean, do you get that impression? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell because like, I definitely, I struggle with it myself. Like I, especially 
just given the the youngness of our team now, it's hard for me not to feel it every day that I'm so much older. And so it's definitely something like I, I battle in my own head. I, I don't really know, I guess, what public perception is if people are like, God, get move on with your life or, <laughs> or if they like find it really cool, probably a mix of both. I definitely have had, you know, some people reach out and tell me that it's, that it's been like inspiring and whatnot. But the thing that I uh, always come back to is like, um, I mean, I didn't, so I didn't start skiing till I was 14. So I was kind of old when I learned to ski as well. And so like for me, I, I try to think about it like in skiing age, like, you know, most of my peers started skiing when they were like three or something like that. So if my 14 was the equivalent of being three, then, you know, in terms of the years that I've actually been skiing, like I'm just passing 20 now. So, you know, that's the equivalent of a 25 year old who's started when they were three. Right. And so I think there is something to be said for just like the number of hours and years of doing something that it takes to be good at it. And that's going to look a little different for everyone, just based on who you are and and how you work. And for me, it definitely took all of those years. Like I, I just needed that much time to learn how the sport worked and, and to build my fitness to a place that was like competitive on this level. And so, you know, call it a justification, I guess, if you want, but that's uh, often what I come back to and, and think about and just, you know, enjoying like that I did reach this level and that, uh, you know, I've made a career out of it. And that's something young me just had in her dreams, not in like her actual goals. And so um, just trying to like enjoy that, even if it did come at a later point in my life and, you know, hoping that I can still have uh, experienced some of the other things that normal 35 year olds experience at, at some other time in my life. <laughs> we were just talking about how you know, performance, like successful performance is a mix of so much stuff and, you know, you can't predict it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you're bringing something special from your age, whereas the younger athletes don't have that. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I mean, maybe I don't have quite as much like pop in my, my stride as some of them, but, um, you know, I do have many, many years of experience and I've had lots of different, uh, I've been at a lot of, a lot of these venues many times and, you know, that's definitely worth something. It's also like, I think something that does help me a lot too, is just how much our, our team has changed. It's like when, you know, my first world cup, I mean, well, when I was, God, I don't even know what, I was in high school and the U S team cut the entire women's team. Um, there was no women's wow. cross country ski team. So like, you know, and you're sitting there as a high schooler being like, oh, what future do I have in this? You know, like, why am I doing this sport? Um, and just like, you know, how far we've come, I think gives me a ton of perspective and, and gratitude for the opportunity to do this and, and just gratitude for all the support and belief that we have had from people over the years. And, you know, now we're traveling, we're filling all of our start spots on World Cup, which that definitely didn't happen. We have PTs and doctors and chefs and all kinds of support staff that are like giving so much of their time and energy to help us succeed and, and all that showing in our results. And so it's, it is really cool to uh, see that. And it gives me a ton of, of gratitude and perspective for, for kind of this movement that uh, was started so long ago and, and to be one little piece of it. And, and that is something that um, motivates me and, and is, is special. Yeah. Well, to wrap up, can you talk a little bit about Minnesota coming up, the World Cup Minnesota? I mean, for me, it's just so exciting. I'm going to be there. The The thought of just seeing you guys whizzing by me is just super great. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty excited for it too. Um, you know, it's funny when they, you know, it was supposed to come in 2020 and then of course the pandemic hit and it was canceled. But the funny part about that is like, I honestly wasn't planning, like I wasn't planning to go cause it was just a sprint. <laughs> and so I was focusing my energy on the distance races at that point, you know, and then it was like, Oh, they're never going to do this again. Like they lost so much money off of that cancellation. And it was just, you know, such a heartbreak of a thing. And so then when I heard they, uh, whoever decided, whoever got that energy and momentum going again, like, thank you. I think it was a lot of people, but um, it suddenly like had this renewed energy. And I think it just, honestly, I think the enthusiasm and, and excitement for it just like quadrupled from 2020. And I am so excited I get a chance to be part of it. And since I've had a lot of success since 2020, like, my my community and my family and friends and all these people are so much more invested in the sport as well. And so I have so many people coming to watch those races and I'm just so excited they get a chance to see what this looks like live um, because, you know, all they do is like see some clips and see the results on on line when they wake up in the morning. But to see it live, I think is such a unique experience. So I'm really thankful that we get that opportunity to showcase that. And, um, you know, having been a like I was a spectator in the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake. That's where I grew up. And so, you know, that had a massive impact on me. So I think I, I also have this unique understanding of how powerful that can be to like have an event like that come to you as a, as a kid in, in a community and just to kind of like open your eyes as to the possibilities that are out there. And so I really hope that we can, uh, you know, spark just a big wave of, of enthusiasm and joy for cross-country skiing moving forward and, and really keep this uh, momentum that we have going for many, many years to come. I can't see how it would not do that. It's, yeah, it's going to be great. Well, thank you so much and good luck for the rest of the season. And we'll be watching you and I'll say hello and a wave as you whiz by in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. How great was that, talking to Rosie Brennan? I hope you enjoyed this special cross-country ski World Cup race report. And thank you to Rosie and the entire U.S. team of athletes and support crew. Check out her show notes page for more on Rosie and things she brought up. Included there is a link to the Minnesota World Cup, which takes place not long from now in February. Also on the website, there are ways to reach me, sign up for the newsletter, listen to all of the episodes, and to support the show through Buy Me a Coffee go to hearhersports.com. If you are new to Hear Her Sports, welcome! There are so many guests for you to discover, including ski racers Olivia Bufard-Nesbitt and Julia Kern. Find two other Alaskans like Lisa Keller. Hear Her Sports is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. To find out more about what they offer, go to evergreenpodcast.com. And finally, thank you for listening. I really appreciate that you're here I just love learning about female athletes, and I hope you also got something from the episode. Have a great week, and be sure to check back in for the next race report. Bye-bye. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... 
they've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo Jo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network.